from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 112. Today's show is brought to you by Pearl Rear Vision. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure, as always, of being joined from across the pond by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello. And from a smaller pond and in a bunch of landmass, Federico Vitici. Hello, guys. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, Federico. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah. Good stuff. Stephen Hackett. Yes. As keeper of said follow-up, would you be able to boot us right into the show? Yeah, let's do it. So we spoke some in context of the Pixel phone announcements last week talking about Google Photos and how Pixel customers will get unlimited Google Photos storage for their full res images, which is pretty cool. You have to pay for that normally from Google. We were speaking about that, and then we kind of brought up uh, iCloud storage a little bit. So I went off and and I, I put together a blog post talking about everything that you can do with iCloud storage, and the list is like getting on up there as far as the number of items. You can do your photo library, you can sync files, you can sync your desktop and documents if you're risk, a risk taker, device backups, and then, of course, all like your personal data, right? Notes, email calendars, reminders, Safari, keychain entries, et cetera, et cetera. Tons of stuff you can put into iCloud Drive and iCloud Storage. And so it's it's really, at this point, and this is not like a new thought, I'm not, this is not original, but at this point, it's really hurting the experience of being an iOS user when you run into the limit of, of that five gigabyte free plan. And Apple has never shared what percentage of iCloud customers run out of space or how many end up upgrading. I know just based like in real life, I know lots of people who hit the, f- the free five gigs, mm-hmm. usually after you know they replace an iPhone and it doesn't clear from their backup and they just live without iCloud space, which is like detrimental to the experience that Apple wants you to have. So there's some fundamental problems with like increasing the free space everybody gets. And the, the big one is just how data works, how many hard drives, how much storage Apple can serve. Apple's data center program, which is really impressive and doesn't get a lot of news coverage. You know, they've got data centers in North Carolina. They've got one out on the West Coast. They're building one, I think, in Europe somewhere. They're all powered by solar and wind. It's a great program. But Apple can't give you know unlimited amounts of space away because the, the physicalities of storing that data just get out of hand. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what Apple should do here, but I think they should do something. And maybe they start small and, and go from 5 to 10 gigs. But even that is a potentially monumental you know, undertaking to offer that. But I think it's it's... Different than comparing it to Google Photos, where it's a really nice add-on, but you don't have to have it. I think iCloud is becoming so important to Apple's ecosystem that they're really kind of shooting themselves in the foot with it at this point. So my thinking about this right now, like this is a bit of a meme, right, at the moment to talk about this. Um, We've moved away, as you rightly put in your blog post, from talking about the 16-gigabyte phone to talking about the 5 gigabytes of storage, right? We've just moved that frustration and conversation over to this new thing about gigabytes. Part of the problem that Apple are facing right now is that if you try to use the services the way that they want you to, everything that you're doing is adding to the iCloud storage that you have because they put it in one bucket, right? So if you turn on iCloud Photo Library like they want you to, then all your photos are syncing. If you upgrade to Sierra and do everything they want, then all your documents are syncing. So by doing the things that Apple is asking you to do on your devices, you're going to reach that five gigabytes super fast, right? So like they're asking you to do more to run their devices with the right experience that they're looking for. But then what it's doing is pushing you immediately past that five gigabytes. Like if you're turning on iCloud Photo Library on an iPhone and an iPad and then turning on the desktop syncing on one Mac that you have, for example, right? So then you can access it on iOS. How many people are going to hit that five gigabytes basically immediately? So my thinking oh, yeah. would be that if if I was if I was in charge at Apple, what I would do is I wouldn't be making it for the size of the device or whatever. I would pick an amount, maybe five gigabytes, and you get five gigabytes of free storage for every device you own. So if you have two iPhones and a Mac, you get fifteen gigabytes of iCloud storage. That's how I would do it. 
And so then you just lock it in every time. And maybe you increase it to 10 gigabytes. But I would give people more for every device that they have. Here's a, an argument that, I, that I've seen from quite a few people over the past couple of weeks. And it really gets to me. Basically, a lot of people are, are saying that because Apple makes money from services, then it's not in their interest to double iCloud storage, the, like the base tier or to make it cheaper because they're making so much money from services now uh it's really stupid to think that apple would change that would change that and i and i really don't get this argument because we all know that apple is making money from services we're not arguing that apple is not the kind of company that you know wants to make money from services in a different way than google we know that we know the numbers we know the money we look at the reports what i'm saying is it does it feel right that Apple is still offering just five gigabytes. It's not about, hey, but look, they're making this kind of money. Does it feel right to have that kind of basic default iCloud experience? Or do we expect better and more from Apple? It's not about the money because we can count. We know the kind of you know profit that they're making from services. Mm -hmm. And we know that Apple is different from Google. But to look at the numbers and say, yeah, they're never going to do that, it betrays a fundamental misunderstanding of Apple, I think. Uh, I wanna, At least I want to hope that Apple is the kind of company that does what's right. And in my mind, five gigabytes is not right. It doesn't feel right to the consumer. It doesn't feel right to the user because it's, a, it's, a, it's an inferior experience. So it doesn't matter the kind of money they're making uh, because uh, people are upgrading. I, 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 I think that to limit iCloud in that sense is a worse experience for the customer. And I think Apple is the kind of company that wants to make things right. Uh, because you could make the same argument about the the 16 gigabyte iPhone. Apple was making more money because people were, you know, buying different models. But was it right to have a base version limited to 16 gigabytes? It doesn't feel right, and so Apple moved past that. And I would like to see Apple moving past the five gigabytes. I don't know how, but to say that you know they're making money, so they're never going to do that. I think that's really that's really you know not the right argument to follow. I agree completely. Like. I think at this point, Apple, if they're making money on services, is great, right? Like, that's a great thing. But we know, like, they make so much money on the hardware. And they can use some of that hardware money to underwrite the money that they would be paying for in storage, right? Like, I think that that is a perfectly fine thing to do as a company, right? Like, and then also, they continue to make money from people in their other ways, right? Like, it's it's not just iCloud, it's Apple Music, the App Store, people continue, you know, they continue to make money from people. Like, the, the 50 gigabyte tier is 99 cents a month. You know, come on, like, guys, you can at least put it to 50 gigs, right? Like, if it costs, nine, if you want to charge 99 cents a month for that, you can, you can afford to give people that. I don't know. Yeah, it's time for them to do something, so... Uh, speaking of the the Pixel phone, mm -hmm. I've been I've not ordered one. I've not joined Mike in that endeavor, but I have been keeping an eye on the order pages and the the XL, so the larger phone, has been bouncing back and forth between sold out and then only being available. I think in white. That doesn't really say anything about the number of sales, right? Like if they only made a hundred phones and they only sold a hundred, then they'd be sold out. But they are offering a waiting list. I think it's interesting that they're not just moving the ship dates like back and back and back like Apple does with the iPhone. I don't know if they're being conservative in what they're manufacturing to say, hey, we would need to make sure that we have the demand to you know produce another X number of thousands of devices. But I, just, I find it interesting that the big one is uh, is the one that seems to be doing a little bit better. But uh but yeah, so if you want a, a black or a blue one in the XL, you just can't do it right now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but it looks like at least that they're doing a good job, right? Like, in theory, it means they're at least selling as many as they thought they would, or at least that they're executing on their plan the way that they want, you know? Yeah, I mean, and who, who knows if we'll ever get sales numbers for these things. I don't know if it'll be something that they need to include in their quarterly reports or not. You know, Apple does announce numbers to a degree so my guess is google won't but it would be interesting to know how it does especially you know in the light of all the samsung stuff that people may be looking for alternatives now yeah could be um well i think the nexus has always been popular enough anyway right that they, they've always done a decent job but this one is maybe a little bit more enticing than usual i think so 
So Brandon wrote in with a, uh, a screenshot, which I assume has come from some Google Home product page somewhere. I don't have a link, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that Brandon is hasn't made this on his own. Um, which it seems to indicate that, that the Google Home will do what I want with timers in which you can name timers. So it has like three options. Set a timer for 15 minutes, set a 13-minute timer for pizza, and how much time is left on my pizza timer. There are like some commands that you can give the Google Home. This makes me both excited and upset because uh, now this is this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, but this isn't like, you know, I want to see a lot more out of the product. Like I'm not going to go and buy a Google Home because I can name timers. But it is a thing that I really, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little, you know, it's, it's just a little too far, I think, uh, just for that one feature. So I'm going to keep my eye on the Google Home um, if and when it ever arrives in the UK. Uh, I want to see what, what, it, what it's capable of. So, Stephen, yours is on order, right? It's like, is it December it comes? No, no, it's uh, like the end of this month. Oh, great. I so think. we'll look forward to that. You can name all of your timers. Yeah, so I've got the Echo. It's going to stay in the kitchen. The plan is to put the Google Home out here in the office and uh, put them head-to-head through some stuff. So I'm excited to see how they how it performs. You should try and get them to talk to each other. That'd be great. Make a little friendship. Mm-hmm. So we do have an update on the uh, Relay FM sticker pack that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It has entered uh, beta with a bunch of our hosts, and it's going really well. So I'm hoping that we are... Um, just around the corner from shipping it. You know, it's funny. I was definitely of the camp that I thought stickers were going to be a fad and maybe they still will be. But so far, like it seems that the usage has been pretty steady amongst my friends and not just like the two of you, like, you know, real people uh, are using them. And so I think that maybe they are here to stay a little bit more than, than I initially thought, but you will soon be able to send little pictures of Federico and the Vitici Silla quality. Uh, through the Relay app. Mm-hmm. So go download the Relay FM app. I'll put a link in the show notes in case you don't already have it, um, and there will be a, an update coming very, very soon uh, about this, so you'll be able to go and get it for yourself. All right, let's take a break and thank our sponsor for this week's episode. It's a new sponsor for the show, and that is Pearl. And today I want to talk about the Pearl Rear Vision Backup Camera. Pearl is a company that believes that the latest in automotive technology should be available to everyone, regardless of whether it's time for you to buy a new car, regardless of whether you had a car for multiple years. This is why they created the Rear Vision. Pearl's founders all met at Apple. They worked on the iPod, they worked on the iPhone, and then they came together after their time there to put their focus on automotive technology. This is what they were really kind of passionate about and interested about. The Rear Vision is an advanced backup camera and alert system that you can install on any car in just minutes. It's all wireless and solar powered, which is amazing. And it's a camera frame. So you have this camera frame that has these dual HD cameras. They work in both day and night. And you just install them on your license plate. Super, super easy to do. And it has fantastic wide angle views. You never need to worry about batteries because it has that solar power which is, I think that's just a really smart thing. Like, there's no way you have to plug it in. You don't have to take it off and plug it in to charge by USB. Like, it just is solar powered, so it's always good. It's always ready to go. It's theft resistant. It installs securely around your license plate, and you connect wirelessly to an adapter that you plug into your car's ODB port. And then that's what sends the connections to and then to the app. It's super, super simple. So, Stephen, what was it like to install, and kind of how have you felt using the Rear Vision? It's super easy to install. So it comes in this really nice box with very simple instructions. You take your license plate off. You put this frame up around it. If you change the license plate, you know, at least here in the States, just a couple of, you know, usually big Phillips head screws. Super easy to install. It just really goes together really nicely. The fit and finish, like the polish on the hardware is like is unbelievably nice. Um and it's it's great. So we put it on our family minivan, which does not have a backup camera. And it's always bothered me. You know, we've got kids in the neighborhood and dogs, and we have to cross the sidewalk to get to the street. And knowing that uh, we now have, like, another view to make sure that nothing bad is going to happen is really nice. Mm-hmm. And you would never know that it was, like, a backup camera frame. Like, it just looks like a like a nice you know, frame you put around your license plate. But having that that peace of mind that we can quickly open the iPhone and, and double check that nothing's behind us uh, with that nice, really clear, wide-angle picture, it is, is, a, is a nice peace of mind. And we're doing it without the expense of, like, 
bolting this super nerdy thing to the back of the car. Like you would never know that all this technology was packed into it. The Pearl Rear Vision utilizes advanced image processing. So the adapter processes the video and it streams it to the Pearl app on your iPhone. It can also use the camera frame to detect obstacles in your path and provides audio and visual alerts straight to the app, which is awesome. And when you've got the app open, you can even pan around so you can take a look at what's around you, see all obstacles and even peek around corners because it's kind of magic in that way. You could, oh, they also get a mount for your phone. So you can mount your phone so you can take a look at it, right? So you get a little mount that you can install into the car so you can put your phone up so you don't need to be holding your phone when you're doing this as well, which is just additional safety, which I think is really cool. To find out more about the Pearl Rear Vision camera, just go to pearlauto.com slash connected. That's P-E-A-R-L. A-U-T-O dot com slash connected. Listeners of this show get free two-day shipping, and this will be applied automatically when you go and check out by visiting pearlauto.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Pearl and their rear vision camera for supporting this show and Relay FM. All right, so I was very happy to see some uh, little reviews come out from my co-hosts over the last few days. Federico, you have spoken about your experiences using the iPhone 7, uh, which you got on, yeah. on loan from Apple. I think we spoke about it a little bit last week. But you uh, you kind of went down a different route um, than, than maybe some other reviews would go, especially because you've had, you know, it's, it's like a few weeks since the product's been out. So kind of what yeah. led to your thinking and what things did you want to focus on? So Apple gave me uh, this review unit uh, a week after the iPhone 7 actually came out, and they didn't have an iPhone 7 Plus, so I was a little surprised. Uh, you know, but you know, we have a uh, supply problem in Italy and I guess in the rest of Europe as well. So I was okay with testing the iPhone 7. I was a little skeptical, but then um, I realized uh, I'm gonna need a couple of weeks, you know, to to test this phone to to see how it works for me. Uh, and especially to understand this change from a small f- from a big phone to a small phone, and so I I thought by the time I'm gonna g- get ready to publish an article, it's gonna be almost a month since the iPhone Seven came out, and so how can I put together a story because I want to share my thoughts without falling into the obvious, you know, without repeating what other people said, and I know that it's not necessarily a problem, right? Uh, that you know, sh- struggling to be original can sometimes be a detriment to, to, to my process. You know, I, I got to be different from anybody else mm-hmm. uh, at all costs. And that's a problem. But this time, as I was using the iPhone, uh, and as I, you know, I bought some accessories that um, were not included with, with the iPhone, such as the Beats Solo 3 and the smart battery case for the iPhone 7, I realized I'm trying these things. And in the reviews that I read last month, these aspects of the experience were not as you know, deeply uh, focused on on these features, right? Those reviews didn't mention these aspects. And I feel like from my personal experience, these are things, you know, wireless audio, white color, uh, the battery case, um, using the Beats Solo 3, the W1 chip. I feel like these are key aspects of the iPhone 7 experience that are available today and they're going to be a big deal in the future. So I try to develop this angle of... Um, I feel like there's some features, you know, beyond the design, the headphone jack, uh, the cameras, of course, the 7 Plus I couldn't try, but beyond the obvious aspects that, you know, people mentioning the original reviews, uh, and this is not a slight to those reviews because there's utility in, you know, the embargo review. I did that in the past for the iPad Pro, for example. I know that there's value in providing a basic overview of what's new. But weeks later... With the when the dust settles, are there aspects that I want to focus on? And so this idea of the iPhone Seven feels like a phone from the future kind of started to 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 gain traction in my mind, and I try to go from there. And I think I did a good job. Uh, at least I hope people liked it, and it was you know successful. Not not as big as the iOS Ten review, of course, because that's like an event. Uh, but it was you know I'm 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 happy with the output, and I feel like a lot of people didn't consider those aspects. And I got a few you know I got a few emails and a bunch of tweets from people saying now I wanna I wanna buy the Beats headphones because I wanna try the W one chip. And of course everybody's starting to get excited for the AirPods, which are also gonna have the W one chip. So I think. Um, you know, most of the time, I try not to fall into the trap of I got to be different and I got to be original. Otherwise, people won't care about me. But this time, I think that approach paid off. 
I think the thing that's interesting about the the tack that you took was you were kind of talking about aspects of the phone that, you know, they aren't necessarily the sexiest, they're not like the newest things, but they're the things that people will use every day. Like especially now, like, you know, we all need to start considering a little bit more than we used to wireless headphones, right? Like, I think many, many people use them, but not everybody. But now we're kind of being nudged towards wireless headphones as more of a thing. And and now there's some new technology, which seems to be making them better. So like focusing on that is a really good thing. Because as well, like all of the reviews that came out, the the Solo 3, I don't think were out yet. And people had the AirPods, but couldn't talk about them so much. Mm -hmm. So you've been able to focus on that in a different way. But also something like the battery case. Now, you know, the battery case we spoke about at the time, uh, we've made fun of it a bunch because it's, it is ugly as sin, because it's weird looking. But I've seen one, I've held on the same way as you have, and I know people that have them and think that they're really cool. It's like, great, go for it. Like, if it works for you. Uh, so I think it's really interesting, like, to look at a review in this sense of, like, this is the review of someone who's been using it for a bit. But also that focuses on some things that you can now look at doing with your phone that you're going to be dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. There was one thing, though, like if you're reading through this, like there are, in your review, there are three products that require charging. Yeah. Right? And it, and there's also a screenshot where you've got like the batteries widget and it has your iPhone, your case, and your watch. And I guess yeah. it would, if your headphones were connected as well, it would have that too. I think you actually yes. tweeted uh, like a picture of this recently of like all of your battery things connected. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's like, you know, this is just where we are right now. We're in a kind of a battery transition, I hope, like that there's better battery technology, hopefully in our future. But it's just a thing right now where it just frustrates me, like that I have to think about so many things that need charging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, ugh, like, I hate our battery present. You know, it just really yeah. frustrates me. Yeah. And, you know, ideally... There's a, I feel like there's a two-step process here. Ideally, every device that connects to the iPhone will eventually move to the low-power consumption of something like the W1 chip, right? Because if something lasts 40 hours, you don't have to charge as frequently, but you still have to charge. Yeah, and, and or infrequent charging can be... It's probably worse than frequent charging. It because is. Because you forget about it. Right, this was the <laughs> yeah, problem I, I always had with my Pebble. My Pebble would die once every week or so, because it had like a seven-day battery life. So I never yep. thought about charging it. So it would just die on me in the middle of the day. My, yep. my Apple Watch has never done that because I put it on its charging stand every night. Right? right. So the second step would be we just got to get rid of the habit of manual charging with the cable. And there has to be in the future, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years from now, maybe five years. Maybe next year, I have no idea. But there has to be something that you just put something on your desk and there's like a wireless charging. Well, I don't this know. stuff exists, right? Like there are right? a bunch of phones that use this. Like IKEA sell this range of desks that have these charging pads in them. Like yeah, I but want even, be, one of those. even beyond charging pads, because you still gotta remember to put it on the pad. That's better than you know having a cable. But ideally in the future there'll be like like a power lamp in your bedroom. And it goes off to charge everything wirelessly all the time. I don't know if that's going to give you cancer. Probably. Maybe not. Hopefully. They're very, figured out. Very likely. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like stuff from the Jetsons, right? Yeah. You have a charging lamp that propagates power across the, across the room. That's the idealistic future. Uh, we'll see, you know, I think personally decades away from that. Uh, but me- maybe, you know, moving away from cables, uh, having these low-power chips, I think that will help. And especially now, it's a weird transition phase because, you know, you have the iPhone with the lightning cable, and then you have the Beats with the micro USB. So you got to remember to put in, you know, different adapters, different cables, and it's difficult. It can be basically battery management. That's what you're doing. You're managing your batteries. And so Apple wants to make it easier with the widgets, you know, and with the with the reminders, with low power mode, with the battery case. But you still got to remember to pack, you know, a bunch of cables and a bunch of adapters if you want to go travel and make yep. sure that you don't run out of juice. And that's so, one of my things as like as being a relatively frequent traveler is mm-hmm. like my my travel bag is getting heavier and heavier as yeah. I'm adding more and more cables to it and more and more adapters. And, you know, then I have to, like, get some device that has, like, five USB chargers on it because I, there is no hotel room in the world that will give me enough outlets, 
right? Like it's this, it, it just continues to add up and add up over time. And I understand the benefits of this stuff. Like I haven't got any Bluetooth headphones that I really like to use yet. I'm hoping that AirPods will be that thing for me. Um, otherwise I'm probably going to get some of these Beats ones that you, that you've used here, like especially for, for like pl- uh, plane travel and stuff. But it's just uh, so many batteries. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really excited for the AirPods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I generally believe it's the, the, the piece of hardware that I'm most excited about this year besides PlayStation VR. That will be the AirPods. If only because there's so many different parts of my life where I'm just walking around and I want to have headphones, but not, you know, the Beats type of headphones on all the time. Especially when I'm laying in bed at night, uh, the the AirPods just seem perfect. So I can listen to music, I can listen to podcasts without, you know, having these big headphones on my head. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, If they work for me, if they're comfortable, if they don't fall off, I think that that'll be the sweet the sweet spot for me, but maybe, maybe not. So I guess we'll find out in just a few weeks because, you know, late October is approaching quickly. So we're halfway through, basically. And Stephen, you spent some time with your uh, non-hissing, non-fizzing 7 Plus, right? I did. So my, my review is a little more traditional than Federico's kind of looking at, all, you know, all the high points you would look at in a, in a new phone. Um, you know, reading Federico's, I... Where we really overlap is the idea that for some reason, this iPhone finally, I think for both of us, crosses the line into like true pocket computer type territory that, you know, maybe it's the additional RAM and the plus, or maybe it's that the camera's so good, or maybe, you know, the, the speed is so much better. Something about this generation really feels like this is not just a phone anymore, but it is a like a computer that's with me all the time. And it's not because I've drastically changed how I work on my phone. It's not because it's the first big phone I've had. I had both the 6 and the 6S Plus because Mike was right. Yeah, what's up? But it's just something about this year really, this phone feels different and it feels like the power or the, the smoothness, something about it has just crossed that threshold in my mind that it's more than an iPhone. Yeah, I've been using mine a lot more. Uh, than I have been using an iPhone in the past at home. Um, I don't, and again, I don't know why that I'm doing that. I don't know if it's the newness factor, but I've been using my iPads less at home and using my iPhone more for things, you know, like just reading and browsing. And I don't know what it is. I think part of it is um, I'm currently engrossed in PewDiePie's tuba simulator, and that's only on my <laughs> iPhone. So I keep carrying the iPhone around so I can go in and publish all my videos. It's hilarious. It's a great game, by the way. I actually really recommend it. It's probably the best free-to-play mechanic game that I've ever played. So anyway, so that might be why I'm carrying my iPhone around more than normal. But it is a really, really great device. One thing for me that I think has led to that is the, the just the speakers being better. Where mm-hmm. if I was listening oh, to yeah, a podcast yeah. around the mm-hmm. house, mm-hmm. I would drag my iPad uh, Pro behind me, and the phone is so much louder. It's not. It's not as good as an iPad speakers, like not even close. But it is so much better than the old iPhone. It's good enough. Yep. And I don't know. Maybe maybe that's really what one of the big reasons is for me. But you know, the iPhone's been around for nine years. the The iPhone Seven, just like every other iPhone before it is the best one ever, right? Like, it's amazing that in nine years, they really haven't had a device that wasn't a worthwhile upgrade, especially if you do every two years. But even every every year, there's always something for people. And um, I think that's super impressive. And the iPhone 7, and especially the 7 Plus, in my opinion, fall right into that category of like, you know, the 6S was a really good phone, but the 7 takes everything about it and makes it better. In most ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's always a few, like, trade-offs, right? Like, the headphone jack is, I think, a bigger deal than um, maybe Federico thinks, but it's, if you can deal with it, then it's, um, then it's a worthwhile upgrade, like, no doubt. Yeah, like, I maintain my position that it's the weirdest iPhone. I just think it's so weird. Like I really love it, but like there's just things that it that it that they've done with it that are weird to me, and they continue to be weird, right? Like the the home button is weird. Uh, plugging my headphones into the lightning port is weird. It feels super strange, and they're they're a little buggy as well. Like every now and then, like I'll move my phone in a certain way, and the audio cuts out. And it's like mm, lightning port, hmm. what are you doing? 
Um, I haven't had that. I, I just think it's because the connection maybe isn't as strong or deep. I don't know. As the headphone port, maybe it's mm. like disconnecting every little while. Or, but or you may just have a funny set of of earpods. But there is also that possibility. Where I really was struck with that when I was out of town a couple weeks ago to release notes, I inadvertently left my 3.5 millimeter earpods at home. So the only ear earpods I had with me were my lightning pair. And I had a, I had a big set of headphones in my suitcase because I was doing some podcasting there. But like on the plane, all I had were my lightning earpods. And I wanted to watch some TV on my iPad. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And then I remembered, I can just plug them into the lightning port on my iPad. And it worked totally fine. But that was really a strange feeling. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's this, weird. This doesn't it's go weird. together. Every time I plug my headphones into my phone, it's like, this isn't the right connector. It's a very strange... Like, every time, I'm like, this is weird. And then I do it. And, and it's it's okay. Everything's fine. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I... I, I know that I'm maybe just being a little bit like stuck in the mud about Bluetooth just because I've never really had a great Bluetooth experience, but it's probably Same. because I haven't owned good enough Bluetooth headphones. You know, like the Bluetooth headphones that I own, the these Sennheiser ones, they sound so bad. Um, like mm-hmm. the connection is just terrible. Um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, and I know that Federico, you've you've really enjoyed the, the Beats solo yeah. guys um so i'm looking forward to to trying out a better experience with with airpods um and then moving on from there and probably replacing my travel headphones with some bluetooth uh headphones as well i, I might get the beats ones because they've got that really really long battery life right like i just don't want to have to think about it like a 10 hour battery life on a pair of headphones is not enough for me right because mm-hmm. i go on flights frequently that are longer than that and I don't want to have to deal with that. So a 40-hour battery life, if they can really achieve that, and I know that you had great success with that, Federico, like that's the type of product that I want to see, you know? So I'm hoping that Apple really is making it easier with this W1 chip. And I am very interested to see where this continues to go. I know that, Federico, you had like some feelings about you know your belief that apple will work with other people maybe and and they'll we'll see more like maybe some bose headphones or whatever with this with these things in them uh i am i'm less optimistic than this but i really hope that they do do that so there is more choice uh within the iphone line rather than just beats or just airpods yeah it's a it's mine is an uninformed guess but it just feels like it's in Apple's best interest to make sure that, you know, uh, the, the W1 chip stays exclusive to Apple devices, of course, stays exclusive mm-hmm. to, to the iPhone, to the iPad and the Mac, uses iCloud accounts for uh, syncing, you know, the pairing information. But it feels like Apple cannot make all of the headphones in the world that people like, that people love. They cannot make Bose headphones. They cannot make, you know, B&O headphones. So it feels like it's the type of opportunity, slightly different than HomeKit, which is basically open to everyone. Uh, kind of modeled after the MI5 program where Apple works with selected companies, you know, high-end audio makers, basically, to make headphones that take advantage of the W1 chip, but that also are not AirPods and are not Beats headphones. And I feel like if they're not going to do that, that's a missed opportunity because, again, maybe Apple is thinking, well, we want everyone to use AirPods and Beats, but there's people who don't want to use those headphones. And to those people, which I believe are, you know, quite enough people, uh, it could be a serious benefit to have the W1 experience propagate to different types of, of headphones. Uh, because just, you know, it's a better audio experience than Bluetooth. That's basically it. Uh, you don't have to think about pairing. You don't have to worry about battery life as much. Range is impressive. Yep. And if it feels like they're just limiting themselves if they don't at least collaborate with some companies. I'm not arguing that Apple should open up the standard and allow everyone to make, you know, W1 headphones. They're not going to try to replace Bluetooth because it's just, they call it a secret sauce on top of Bluetooth. Ugh. But they're basically doing their own custom process. I know. They're, they're, they're I doing their own, so much. <laughs> you know, custom software and hardware on top of Bluetooth. <laughs> and that feels like the type of uh, you know, optimization for the iPhone that other companies could jump in and maybe work with Apple to provide mm-hmm. a better experience. I thoroughly hope you're right. Do, do you think that they're using Wi-Fi as well with these? Like, is that, do you reckon that's what's maybe helping the range? I don't know, uh, because I thought about it and, you know, I'm home and I'm walking around and range is amazing. 
but then when when you go out and when you you know when you're just using Bluetooth, it's also amazing. So I don't know what they're. But you're doing. not leaving it so far away, though, are you? Like. Yeah, I, I could probably try to walk, you know, like 20 meters away from my yeah. iPhone, but then it's going to be unattended. So I should probably you, try with Sylvia. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you say to Sylvia, just wait there a moment, and then you jog off, you know, and yeah. then you see how long it, it lasts for. Yeah, but I mean... It, it, this, is a, this is a test that only you can do, Federico. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I can try. I, I don't know if it's like in, like in everyday life, why would you ever need that? You know, you leave oh, no, your iPhone and it's then... It's not you- <laughs> because it, it, it's a feature we need. It's just the just wonder of like, is, it, is yeah. it using Wi-Fi? Like, is that what is helping you get the range? Like, because you're at your home, right? So if, it, if it's using Wi-Fi in some way, then maybe, you know, it, it, that might be how it's keeping the connection. Because Apple haven't made Bluetooth technology better, right? Like they, you know, I don't, that's not what they're doing here. They're adding on to bluetooth right like they, they yeah. haven't created like the best ever bluetooth chip they're they're doing something else with it right like yeah. it's you know they, they haven't just made because otherwise bluetooth would be better in general but it's not like that they're, they're this this additional stuff that they've added on top of it i think is their own technology and it's it's maybe something along the lines of what continuity you know how that works yeah airdrop works right they're using their wi-fi technology i believe in some way to help make this better yeah, but it's way better than mm-hmm. AirDrop, much more reliable. And well, I yeah. and I came across some bugs. Uh, I talked about it on Twitter. I was really upset initially, but I figured that it was my fault because one, I was using a beta. But that's not really the problem. The problem was I was using the, the, the beta and then I downgraded mm-hmm. to iOS 10 stable. Yeah, we spoke about this, didn't we? Could fix this, and it wasn't. It wasn't really the solution. So once I moved back to the beta, and especially with ten point one beta two, uh, you know, much much better. Basically, being perfect, I can switch between devices with like two seconds from control center, and it's amazing. I never had the kind of you know setup with with Bluetooth headphones at all. So they're doing good stuff with the W one, but I, I I'm curious to see if they, we're gonna see more, you know, beyond Beats and AirPods. Yeah, I wish that the other Beat stuff was for sale. Like I've got a pair. They may be the originals, or they may be the twos of the Power Beats. You know, the they're earbuds, but they they have the little hooks that go over your ears, yeah. and they're great for like working out or running because they're there's they're not going to fall off. Uh, and I would like to check them out with the the new stuff, but they're not like there's not even a ship date availability coming this fall on Apple's website today. So, you know, maybe the uh, the 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 AirPods. I gotta get that name straight in my brain. My guess is those will ship first, and like I'm, I'm going to order a pair. I'm looking forward to trying the Federico. Like you, I've only grown in my interest about what they will be like. Um, I've gotten to to use them very briefly, but I think they're going to be really interesting. But I don't want to work out with them. I don't want to run with them. I like the power beats go over your ear, and so they're not going to come flying out very easily. But you can't get them yet, so... You know, it's very early days in this stuff, but I think that it's promising that the people who have had experience with it so far have been impressed that it's not just snake oil. It seems like it really is a an upgrade from where we have been with Bluetooth headphones. Because even the Power Beats 2, like, they're okay. Like, they don't sound great, and the connection range is kind of, kind of not great. Um you know, even like using them and if your phone is like in your pocket or in your bag, like, you know, with you, sometimes it can drop out or get staticky. Like it's not very far away. And I would look forward to seeing, you know, what they would be like with this new this new tech from Apple. So I'm definitely interested in it. Uh, I think that it's something that could be, you know, a- Apple is pushing us into this wireless world, Mike, like you were saying, like <laughs> you haven't really been interested in this before. You've had an experience that's not super great, but now we're here because of the product decision they made with the iPhone 7. Yeah, I have no choice but to pay attention now. Right, <laughs> exactly. So hopefully they're delivering on the other side of it. Over the last couple of months, there have been continued changes in the App Store. Uh, we spoke a little bit about subscription models and then I think the company that everyone was expecting to go down the subscription model route, the Omni Group, has, has done something ever so slightly different. So can one of you kind of sum up what the Omni Group are up to? Yeah, so they're switching to, to a different model that I guess we were expecting. Instead of going with subscriptions and you know asking everyone to subscribe to Omni Focus or Omni Planner, 
they're taking advantage of in-app purchases and the way receipt validation works for developers to, I don't want to say fake, but basically implement a new way to do free trials, uh, a limited feature set for two weeks, and then if you want to continue using an app, you got to unlock the full feature set once with a single in-app purchase. And if you don't want to unlock the app, it's going to remain on your device, but it's only going to be used as a viewer. So you can only view files of that type shared with you. And this, of course, I'm not sure how it applies to OmniFocus because you don't share tasks as files with OmniFocus. Uh, but they're starting with... Yet, exactly. <laughs> uh, but we're starting with, I think, OmniGraffle launching today on the app. So yep. in fact, the new version of OmniGraffle 7. Um, and it's interesting because... Uh, these technologies have been around for a while. So developers have been able to validate receipts uh, to do free apps with in-app purchases for years now. And But it only seems recent, uh, at least a recent development or maybe a sort of new awareness from developers to be able to say, look, we're going to have a free app on the App Store. We're going to give you a free trial. That free trial is an in-app purchase set at tier zero. So zero dollars, it's free. And it lasts for two weeks. After that, we're going to remove the trial. It's a non-renewable purchase. It's not renewable. Right? Yep. It's, it's a single purchase. You basically unlock the free in-app purchase. So you unlock the free trial. And it lasts two weeks. After that, either you unlock the full feature set of the app or you just keep it installed, but it's going to be free and limited because you can only view stuff. You cannot create stuff anymore. And it's basically the shareware you know, model all over again, but done with in-app purchases instead. And it's not just the Omni Group, because I feel like after the Omni Group announcement, which a lot of people paid attention to, because it's, you know, the Omni Group is the poster child of making money on the App Store, especially the iOS App Store, to do announced that they're going free as well within our purchases. Uh, they're starting with Android, so they're doing the same model, free with a free in-app purchase to unlock the trial. After that, you got to unlock the full feature set with another single in-app purchase. So it's not a subscription, and Todo says, we're going to consider other platforms if this goes well. And it's interesting to me, because for many, many years, we've been arguing Apple should implement what other developers have been doing for ages uh, for Mac software, which is you download the free app, there's a trial, and then you you know, you know buy the app. And what the Omni Group is doing here, and what Todo is also doing, is basically the same thing, but the model, the technology is different, and I, I still don't know if this is Apple. If this is something that Apple is officially happy about, if they received guidance from Apple to follow this route, I'm going to or... guess yes. And, and the reason I think yeah. this is: do you remember when the Omni Group tried to exactly. use the the, yes. the App Store receipts to activate the yes. their own version? Right? It was like they were yeah. using: if you bought it in the Mac App Store, you would unlock the OmniFocus downloaded version for free, right? If you download it from their website, and that got killed. So my thinking would be that OmniFocus wouldn't do this unless they knew it was going to be okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. because this is such a big, this is like a huge change for their business model. One that I think they know that they wanted to do that. Like, you know, this is something that the Omni Group knows they need to do because their apps are expensive for the App Store, right? Like $40 a pop or something for some of them. Mm -hmm. Free trials are almost essential for them to continue, I think, because they need people to be able to try their software without paying high prices to get in the door. And this will allow that. Like, you know, we, we talk about OmniFocus a lot and I have people say to me like, can you tell me how good it is? Can you tell me if it does this? Can you tell me if it does that? Because people want to make sure that their purchase is okay before they go ahead and buy it, right? So I think that this is a really good way for them to just say, well, help now just download yeah. it and find out yourself. And you've got two weeks to try it. Two weeks is a good trial time. And you can find out if it's good for you. I think this is really good yeah. for them. But I, I do believe that they've that they have worked with Apple beforehand yeah. to make sure it works because... I mean, if they hadn't, that's kind of crazy. Like, you know that would be a bad why, decision. You know why it feels strange? 
I guess it's because we went from the sort of narrative where you cannot do free trials on the App Store. It's it's impossible. Apple is, you know, uh, not working with indie developers to do this, to we have a working solution without any announcement from Apple and we're using the stuff that's already in place with in-app purchases and suddenly everyone realizes, oh, we can do free trials on the App Store. It's just a major change in the things we believed about pricing apps on the iOS App Store and suddenly the Omni Group comes out and be like, well, there you go. We're going to switch to free trials. And everyone's okay with it. And it's just, it's a major change for the Omni Group, but also for the entire, you know, how many articles, how many podcast episodes we've done about, you know, sustainability of indie software on the App Store, of pro software on the App Store, with developers not being able to give trials to people. We've been talking about this stuff for years, and now it's possible, and there's no, like, a, it's not like a major launch from Apple. There's no dedicated web page about you can now do free trials and then let people try your software. It's stuff that's already available to developers, and I don't know, maybe the Omni Group just figured it out, or maybe Apple just went to them and was like, hey, you know, you can actually do this now because we're okay with it. Maybe that was it, maybe... It w- it was not the case, but anyway, this is gonna be it's gonna be a thing now, and and I feel like my expectation is that this is just an incredibly complicated thing to get right. Probably, probably because you know you're dealing with receipt validation in a purchase is set to free, and so it can be complex when you're dealing, you know, with people with multiple currencies. Of course, it's limited to individual accounts, so family sharing cannot, you know, once you uh, unlock a new purchase on one device, members of your family sharing setup cannot access that in a purchase. So if I buy a, the new Omni Graffle uh, and I unlock the, new, the complete feature set within in a purchase, Sylvia, who is part of my family sharing plan, will not be able to unlock that in a purchase because in a purchases are still not available to family sharing. So it comes with a bunch of limitations. It comes with a bunch of complex things to make sure that they're working right. But I mean, it's, does sound like a better deal overall for people like the Omni Group because they're able to say, look, we have a $200 app on the iPad, which sounds crazy, but now you can try it for free for two weeks. So, you know, I think it's going to be beneficial to them. Yeah, I think so too. I hope it works and, and I hope it is a model that other developers can take because it will allow people that make these productivity apps to charge more money, whether it's subscriptions or higher kind of prices to get in the door because then because you'll have free trials now are the omni group setting in subscription plans after this or is it a one-time payment for something like omni graffle no it's a one-time payment it's not a subscription they they made sure to stress that it's gonna be a single time unlock and i actually believe they're gonna be able i may be getting this wrong but they're going to be able to do some kind of upgrade pricing if you unlocked a previous in a purchase. So say OmniGraffle 8 launches in three years. Maybe if you bought OmniGraffle 7 within a specific time frame, you're going to be able to unlock that future in a purchase at a discounted price. Mm. I'm not sure about this, but by basing this, the entire system on in a purchases and doing receipt validation, they can do a bunch of things that used to be exclusive to you know selling Mac software, on your own with you know licenses and that kind of stuff, and now it seems like the Omni Group can do this for in-app purchases on the on the iOS and Mac App Store, and you know the Mac App Store, of course, it's kind of a joke, but uh, it's again seems possible. App Store ads are also a thing that exists now in Search. Now they're not in the UK, so I haven't seen any, uh, but I know that Federico, you have a US account, and Stephen, of course, you have a US account. So I was wondering, mm-hmm. kind of, what has your opinion been as a consumer right now when looking at search results and seeing ads? Are you seeing what you'd expect to be seeing? It seems to be, to to me at least, a really mixed bag. Where sometimes, if I'm searching for something, the obvious, like the quote right ad, will show up. And other times it'll seem really off or seem like someone is trying to be in a place they shouldn't be. Um, and I've also done, as I'm sure Federico has, like search for name, like well-known apps that I you know, probably already have installed just to see if the ad matches you know, the branded search that I'm doing or if a competitor is there. And it seems like a real mixed bag at this point where sometimes I get what I expect or get something that seems to make sense. And other times it seems to be doing kind of whatever it wants. I'm not super impressed so far. What about you, Federico? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think, honestly, because I've uh, it's been really a mixed bag. Um, I was looking for I was looking for a bunch of apps, and some ads were useful because they gave me the like this indie result from a developer I didn't know about, and it was actually relevant. But then I would say this happened maybe 20, 30 percent of the time, and the rest was like completely irrelevant ads for like big name companies that were bidding on some keyword, and then I was looking at that result, which was not really accurate and not really what I was looking for. So. It doesn't seem to me, at least now, that what Apple has done is amazing and, oh my God, it's completely different from Google AdSense and other types of ads that we're, we're, we've seen on the web before. Uh, I don't particularly mind them, uh, but I don't think they're great either. Uh, I think it's uh, it's something that Apple wants to try and if I were to rate the experience right now, it would be not even a 6 out of 10. Barely a 6 out of 10. I think of most of the developers that I follow um, online, it seems that there just tends to be a lot of confusion. It is confusing. It is confusing. Sometimes you get the the actually good results. Most of the time you get like poker, casino type of games mm-hmm. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in search results, which are really not the type of stuff I'm into. And it doesn't seem like Apple is accounting for my previous uh, history. So, you know, I, I'm not the type of... I'm pretty sure I never, ever downloaded a poker or casino game before in my entire life with this account, which I've been using for like eight years on the App Store. So it doesn't seem like they're accounting for relevancy to the user. They're just using this system based on keywords and bidding and, you know, I don't know how it works, uh, but it's not particularly impressive. Like it's my my jaw didn't drop when I saw the App Store ads Whereas I was more impressed by, you know, Apple doing curation and stuff like categories and, you know, uh, the, 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 the more frequent uh, updates to the App Store homepage. That's impressive. And that's really well done when Apple curates apps. Mm-hmm. Search ads, yeah, you know, that, that's my reaction. Yeah, they exist. Yeah, it, it has, it's not really doing gangbusters. I, I don't know why it's US only. Um, it does, doesn't really make sense to me, uh, but it is. But to be honest, like I'm not missing it. I'm not upset that you know, I, I don't think I'm going to gain much out of this if they exist, to be honest. Yeah, again, it seems like sometimes you search for stuff and it's pretty good. Other times you do you do search for specific things and you run into this result from some shady company with lots of money. So I guess that's just how ads work. And I mean, we need more time to assess how these world scale in practice if maybe there's not enough indie developers trying this right now maybe if you know the percentage of ads is skewed towards big name companies with deep pockets we don't know so maybe by next wwdc we'll be able to make a more you know better assessment of has this been useful at all or is it something that you know it's kind of like i add it was a thing that existed but it was never impressive to anyone r.i.p (laughs) <laughs> all right i think that about wraps it up for today um there's not a lot going on right now i think we're in the we're in the the lull before another event i think we're just feeling it looks like on the horizon I hope so. yeah <laughs> if you want to find us all online there's a few places you can do that you can go to maxstories.net for federico's work and he's over at vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i on twitter steven is at 512pixels.net and he is at ismh and I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I would love it if you would check out my YouTube videos at youtube.com slash Mike Hurley. You can find me there. Thanks again to Pearl and their Rear Vision camera for supporting this week's show. And most of all, as always, thank you for listening. We have a bunch of show notes and links today. Go to relay.fm slash connected slash 112. Thanks so much. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.